Good morning, Christ Church family. So glad that you're here and worshiping with us today. You know, we are honoring our class of 2020 graduates today. And uh, if you are worshiping uh, with us uh, via a computer, uh, laptop, or desktop, you know, there is a banner directly underneath us right now. And so if you have a graduate, if you have a graduate in your home, would you click on that banner right below us? That'll kind of rate, it'll be like uh, that you're raising your hand if you do that. And uh, we are going to be recognizing these graduates. Also, uh, if uh, we're going to be praying for our graduates today, and after we pray, I want you to use the heart. We're going to fill the screen with the heart that's about right here on your screen. And so everybody will sh be showing them some love in just a moment as we uh, offer prayer for our class of 2020 graduates. So why don't we go to the Lord in prayer? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for each and every one of our graduates whether they be our green tree graduates graduating from kindergarten and on to first grade or graduating from high school and moving on to a career or to college or those who are graduating from college and going on either to graduate school or to a career and even those who are graduating from graduate school. Lord, there are so many graduates that we are so proud of and so grateful. Lord, we know that this has been a, a difficult year for our class of 2020. This worldwide pandemic has played havoc with uh, the end of their school term. And they've missed out on a number of things that, that have been seen in the past as a rite of passage. But we pray, Heavenly Father, right now, for each and every one of them. And we ask God that you would carry them into the future and pour out your blessing upon them in a way as, as never seen before. We are grateful, Lord, for the community that stood around them, for their parents and their family and their friends and their church family who have encouraged them along the way. We pray right now, Lord, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon them and bless them in their future. And we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, let's show them some love today by clicking that heart and fill the screen across, uh, across your screen with hearts that are flying in celebration of our 2020 graduates class of 2020. Now, if you, uh, if you were not here early on to see the slideshow, I want to remind you to stay tuned through the entire worship time, uh, because right at the end of worship, the slideshow is going to be online, and you'll be able to see all of the graduates there. So, Good morning, everybody, once again, and welcome to worship. So glad that you're here with us today. I'm Pastor John Spade, and it's great to be with you. You know, we are moving into a brand new series today called Be the Church. Be the Church. As I said early on, you know, uh, we don't have time to play church. Uh, playing church is over. 
We have got to be the church of Jesus Christ. And it, and it comes right out of your, your new life series. It comes right out of there because what's happening is we are moving toward what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ. And the title today says it all. It all starts with commitment. You want to pull out your Christchurch notes. You can print them off. You can follow along on the uh, tab that says notes at the bottom. You'll want to do that because these commitments are some that I really want you to write down. I hope that you will do that. These are critical to move forward as the church of Jesus Christ in an ever-changing world. You know, it was in uh, 1776 that a group of colonists put their names on a radical and very dangerous document. That document was called the Declaration of Independence. And what these colonists knows, what they did, was when they affixed their name, when they affixed their name to that document, they knew that there was an act of treason. It was an act of treason when they affixed their name to that document. And they knew that to do so was going to be putting their life on the line. Their life was going to be on the line by signing that document. And matter of fact, the last sentence of that document reads as such. And for the support of this declaration, and with a firm reliance and the protection of the divine providence, that's God, we mutually pledge to each other our loves, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. How about that? Folks, that's commitment, isn't it? They pledge their life, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Well, about 50 years ago, there was a group of Chinese students who made a pledge to read a little red book called The Sayings of Chairman Mao. They memorized it, and they made a commitment that they were going to live their lives by these, this uh, little red book. And that commitment resulted in, the China's, uh, in China's cultural revolution. And today, a billion people in the largest country in the world are under communism because of the commitment of a few. You know, here's the deal, folks. You know, history teaches us over and over again that it doesn't take a lot of people to change the world. You know that, and so do I. It doesn't take a lot of people to change the world. It just simply takes a committed few, a committed few. Now, I don't make any apologies today for saying that I think that our nation is in need of some kind of change. You know, in a, in a time of place when our nation is struggling with COVID-19 and the other virus of racism and discrimination, unfortunately, that particular virus continues to spread. The numbers don't seem to be going down, and uh, it is infecting people throughout our land. And we are reaping the consequences of a, a virus of racism and discrimination that's been going on unchecked. And something, you know, is just simply wrong. It's, it's terribly wrong in our nation right now. But I want you to know that I believe that the cure for this 
is not simply political. Now, I know I can get into trouble by saying it because a lot of folks think that that's only the answer. Well, I don't believe that's true. In fact, I want to even go further. I don't think the answer is simply education either. It's not simply uh, and purely political. It's not simply and purely educational. And I think if we are naive to believe that the answer to our problem is simply political and simply educational, then we are doomed as a nation to continue to repeat past history. You see, what I believe is that it's also a spiritual problem. It's also a spiritual problem. We've got a spiritual problem in our nation. And the reason why this is so critical is because, you know, the change takes place in the heart. And if you want to, if you want to make real lasting change, it's got to start here. It's not a head thing. It is a heart thing. And if you want to change society, you got to change society one heart at a time, one heart at a time. In other words, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. You may want to write that down in the margin somewhere because it is true. It is true. The, 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 the problem is a problem of the heart. The heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. And that's why I'm beginning today with a brand new series called Be the Church. We have got to do just that, folks. We've got to be the church. And as the title says today, it all starts with commitment, and you better believe that it does. You know, folks, nothing of any consequence happens without commitment. Commitment is what gets the ball rolling. Commitment is what turns dreams into reality. There are a lot of great dreamers, but if you don't turn those dreams into reality, nothing ever gets done. Martin Luther King Jr. knew that. He turned the dream into a reality, and that's called commitment. He put it into action. You see, folks, listen to me. Your commitment, you know what it does? It defines your life. It defines your life, and it directs your life as well. People are directed and guided by their commitments, by commitments. So you ought to choose where it is you're going because that's where you're going to end up anyway. Now, the Bible has a whole lot to say about commitment. It sure does. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that God is looking for people to use. He's looking for people to use. You know, you can make a difference in the world if you're willing to be used by God. Matter of fact, God says, there is one commitment. I'm willing to use you, but there is one commitment I need you to make. You got to make this commitment. I'm willing to use you, but you got to make this commitment. There is one caveat to being used by God. Check this out. It's 2 Chronicles 16, 9 and uh, the New Living Translation. And it says this, the eyes of the Lord search the whole world or search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are, now let's say this out loud, right? Fully committed to him. Yeah, you see that? The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's the deal, folks, right there. Are you fully committed to the Lord? As I said, your commitments define your life. Now, what does it mean to be fully committed? Is there a difference between being fully committed and being partially committed or halfway committed or three quarters committed? Well, you better believe there is. There's a huge difference from being uh, fully committed and 
partially committed. In fact, there are five commitments, folks, I want you to make. This is why I want you to print these notes out, please. You know, and if you haven't had a chance to do it, if you just find a piece of paper that you can write these things down, this is critical. It's where we're moving as a church. We're making these commitments that'll change your life and allow us to be the church of Jesus Christ. Five commitments I want you to make. Five commitments. It all starts right there with commitment. If we're going to be the church, we've got to make these five commitments. And I'm going to start with the first one right now. Here it is. First commitment is that I must commit my life to Christ. That's right. See it? I've got to commit my life to Christ. I've got to give my life to Jesus. That's the first thing. You can't miss this one. Don't mess this one up, people. This is the one we've got to have because it's the foundation. Everything begins right here. It's the foundation of, uh, of, our, uh, of being the church. You know, God wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. He wants you, he wants you to, uh, he has come in order for you to know him. He came through Jesus. The first thing you got to do here is to commit your life to Jesus Christ. The most important thing you can do in your life is commit your life to Jesus. Now, there are some other important things, of course, some other important commitments that we make. You know, uh, most of you uh, know about the career issue, of course. You know, what do I mean by that? Well, what am I going to live on? That's the question, right? What am I going to live on? Graduates, you will not be out of school very long before you realize that life isn't free. It won't be long before you're going to figure out that life is not Free. You're going to have to think, okay, how am I going to get my, get money in order for me to live on? It's an essential question that we've got to ask ourselves. And eventually most of us figure that one out, but that's not the only essential question. We've got another commitment we have to make as well. It's not as important as committing our life to Jesus, but it's another question. And that is not only what am I going to live on, but who am I going to live with? That is, am I going to be married? Am I going to live my life as a single adult? You know, what am I going to do? How am I going to, how, uh, who am I going to live with? And most people generally get this one figured out at some time in their life as well. Now, here's the deal, folks. You can mess up those two things. What am I going to live on? And what am, who am I going to live with? You can mess those up. Now, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be painful in your life. It's going to bring some pain in your life. But it's, it, it's not, it doesn't have eternal consequences. Those issues don't have eternal consequences. But if you mess up this question, if you mess this one up, this has eternal consequences. Eternal life here hangs in the balance. So here's the thing. If you're going to be the church of Jesus Christ, you know, you've got to commit your life to him. So what does it mean to commit your life to Christ? Well, the scripture defines it, makes it very easy. Matter of fact, Paul tells us exactly uh, how to do that. In fact, he was talking to the church at Rome about it. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, look what it says. If you do those two things, you will be saved. That's what the scripture says. Jesus made it so simple that anybody can figure this out. 
You know, uh, just look at it. It's the first thing. First thing is you believe in God, that, or believe that, uh, declare that Jesus is Lord, and believe that God has raised him from the dead. You know what that is. That's Easter, right? That's what Easter is all about. And then you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Why don't you circle the word Lord right there? If you've got your uh, notes out, go ahead and circle the word Lord right there. Lord is that old English word uh, for the guy in charge, you know, the CEO, the one who calls all the shots, the manager and the director. God wants to be the director of your life. That's the bottom line. To declare Jesus as Lord says, okay, I've got a new CEO, new CEO's in town. He, he's the one's going to be calling my shots. He's, he's going to be the director of my life. He's the CEO of my life. And he's got a plan for how our life is to go. You know, every commitment that you make, folks, has cost. You know, and if you, if you, before you jump in, into anything, you need to figure out the cost-benefit analysis, right? You know, what's the cost versus what's the benefit? Well, when you look at this, you can do the exact same thing. Every commitment you make has a price tag. You know, what's the cost of following Christ? Well, uh, you got to give up control of your life and, and allow Jesus to call the shots, to put him in charge. You know, you say, you know, uh, Lord, I want your plans for my life. I, I want to be the person you want me to be. I want to do the things that you have asked me to do. And that's the cost. And it's very clear. And he makes it very much upfront. So what's the benefit for that cost? Well, the first place, you get all your sins forgiven. Second place is you get the power of the Holy Spirit to live by. The third thing is you get a purpose for your life. And the fourth thing is you get heaven when you die. Not bad. Pretty good benefits for that cost-benefit analysis. That's a good deal, right? You know, and I know most of you have already made that commitment, but we need to simply go over that again. We go over it again because we've got to be reminded of who we are as the people of Jesus Christ. But you know what? That's just the foundation. That's where it's all built. We build it all on this number one. And then the first commitment is the foundation for everything else that follows. So here we go for number two. The number two commitment that we have to make is that I must commit to being a member of God's family. Can you write that down? Make a commitment to be a member of God's family. First, what do we do? We commit our lives to Jesus. Second thing we do is we become a member of the family of God. In fact, 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter 1, 3 out of the Living Bible is very clear about that. Look what it says. It says, all honor and glory, excuse me, all honor to God, the Father, excuse me, I'm going to do it again. All honor to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is his boundless mercy that has given us the privilege of being born again, so that we are now, what does it say? Let's read it out loud, members of God's own family, right? There it is. There it is. He's given us the privilege of being born again. That is, for being saved, having a relationship with Jesus, so that we can be what? Members of God's own family, right there. That's exactly what First Peter is telling us, what Peter's saying. So, you know, uh, here's the deal. 
God does not expect you to go through life all by yourself. He never created you to be the lone ranger. He didn't create you to be without support or without encouragement in the Christian life. And I'm grateful to the Lord that he didn't do it that way. But he created us to be a part of his family, to build in around us support and encouragement, to build in around us a family of God who will lift us up, to be there for us, who will be praying for us. I mean, that's a big deal. And he created that family for you. You know what the family's called, right? It's called the church. <laughs> that's what the family's called. Family is called the church. In the Bible, you know what the Bible tells us? It's a privilege to be a part of God's family. That's what the scripture teaches us. That it's a privilege to be a part of God's family, the church. And unfortunately, you know, we kind of take it for granted here in the free world where we can come and go to church as we desire. But you know what? There are a lot of people in a lot of countries around the world who know what a privilege it is because it's illegal for them to come together and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that? And I'm not talking about just one or two countries around the world. I'm talking about a number of countries around the world. It's illegal for Christians to gather. In fact, uh, two years ago, I was talking to a, a woman from China who was visiting our church, and she a uh, strong believer in Jesus, and she commutes two hours every Sunday on public transportation in order to go to church. The one particularly church, that's the closest church to where she lives, and it's an approved church by the communist government. And it takes her two hours to go, and she does. Two hours there, two hours back. We take for granted that we live in the free world and can come and go to church as we please. So don't think this isn't important, folks. You need the family of God in your life. You need to be a part of it. It is a privilege to be a part of it. Just like a, uh, a child without parents is an orphan, a Christian without a church family is a spiritual orphan. And the Christian life involves more than just believing, but it involves belonging. You say, yep, I believe in Jesus. Well, that's good. You're partially the way there. That's, that's the starting place. That's the first step on the yellow brick road. That's the very beginning of the journey. But now we got to move on from there. That is, we build on from that spot, from having a relationship with Jesus Christ now to being a member of God's own family. In fact, look what, look what uh, uh, Paul said in Romans 12, 10. He says this, be devoted to each other like a loving family. That's what it is that we're supposed to be about. As followers of Jesus Christ, that's who we're supposed to be. Now, folks, uh, you know, I know we're worshiping online and there are many of those of you who are worshiping uh, far away from here. But I'll say this, that there are a lot of churches, matter of fact, thousands and thousands of good, solid Bible teaching churches uh, around the United States and around the world. You need to find one of them 
You need to plug in. You need to be a member of that family. You need to step across the line and make that commitment. You know, the Lord has already made a commitment to you, and he's waiting for you to make a commitment to be a part of his family. You know, and wherever you are around the world, I'll tell you this, it doesn't matter where you live, we'd love to have you be a member here. Whether you're in whether you're in Kenya, whether you're in Mexico, whether you're in Puerto Rico, whether you're in Canada, no matter where you are, whether you're in Germany or France or anywhere else, we'd love to have you become a member right here at Christ Church, and you can do it. Now, that's the second commitment we make. First one, commit my life to Jesus. Second, commit to being a part of God's own family. There's the third one, is to commit to modeling the life of Christ. This is a big deal. To commit to modeling the life of Christ. You know, when you become a Christian, God says, uh, you know, I want you to represent me. I want you to represent me by the way that you act, by the things that you do, by your witness. I want you to represent me. I want you to model your life after mine. That's what Jesus is saying. You know, the word created a little bit of trivial history. Uh, the word Christian was used to be a derogatory term. I mean, you know, you can imagine it like this. You know, somebody saying, oh, yeah, that, that, that guy over here, this, this woman over here is just like that dude Jesus. You know, it's that kind of derogatory thing. It means, it means little Christ, Christians, little Christ. Christ. That's what that's me. That's what that means. And you know what we want to be known as is little Christ in the sense that we want to model our lives after the life of Jesus. I mean, has anybody ever has anybody ever accused you of being like Jesus? <laughs> if not, why not? <laughs> why hasn't why hasn't anybody done that? You know, because as you grow. God wants you to learn to act the way Jesus acted, to feel about life the way Jesus felt about life, to learn to make decisions the way Jesus makes decisions, to learn to treat people the way that you want to be treated and the way that Jesus treats you. You see, folks, your belief, your actions, your life, is all to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. This is who we are. It's what we do. Matter of fact, Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. Check this out, what he said here. First uh, in uh, Philippians 1, 27. No matter what happens, no matter what happens, live in a way that brings honor to the good news about Christ. See that? No matter what happens, live in a way that brings honor to the good news about Christ. Do you live in a way that honors Jesus? You know, do, do, do you treat people the way that you want to be treated? You know, Jesus was a champion of, of the oppressed, of the pushed down, of, of those that society kind of kept under their thumb. He was a champion of the poor. He was a champion of the widows. He was a champion of the orphans. In fact, in, one of, in his very first sermon in his own hometown of Nazareth, Jesus stood up before the congregation and he read these words from the prophet Isaiah and claimed them for himself. He said, 
The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and to release the oppressed. Well, got to tell you, he didn't exactly receive a standing ovation from that sermon. In fact, the people in Nazareth was so put out with Jesus for saying that, for claiming to, 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 to want to set the prisoners free and to, to release the oppressed and the recovery of sight to the blind and, and uh, that being the champion of the poor, that they ran him out of town and sought to kill him. That was the reaction of the townsfolk with Jesus' first sermon. But yet, what did he display throughout his life? Radical, irrational hospitality to the least, the last, the lonely, and the lost. Treating everyone with dignity and respect. This is what it means to be the church. What does Christ call us to do? To model, to model our life after Christ. That's what he calls us to do. Now, look. There's no pill that he's going to take, uh, that you can take, and next thing you know, you're going to be like Jesus. No. You know, there's no single podcast that you can listen to, or book you can read, or a single conference you can go to, and all of a sudden, you're going to be like Jesus. No, there's no individual experience you can have that's going to give you a little quiver in your liver, and all of a sudden, you're going to be like Jesus. No, it's not happening that way. You know how it happens? It is a process. It's about changing one heart at a time. And it, it, and it may start here, but if it doesn't move here to the heart, from the head to the heart, then everything stops. And we're not ever going to live like Jesus lived. It's a process, folks. But you'll never be the church and model the life of Christ until you just simply start it. Start doing that. So if I'm going to be the people God's called me to be, if we're going to be the church of Jesus Christ, what do you got to do? You got to, you got to commit your life to Jesus. You got to commit to being a part of his family and you need to commit to modeling your life after Jesus. All right, that's the first three. Two more to go, folks. Here's number four. The fourth one is I need to commit to being a minister of God's grace. All right, write that down. I need to commit, because I've got to explain that, because I think you may be under, misunderstanding me, to be a minister of God's grace. I commit to being a minister of God's grace. Now, let me very quickly say, folks, I'm not talking about being a pastor. That's not what this is all about. You know, I have taught over and over and over and over and over again that I'm the pastor of the ministers of Christ church. That's who you are. If you are a baptized Christian with a, with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you're a minister of the gospel. That's who you are. You are a minister of the gospel. That's what the scripture teaches. I happen to be the pastor, but I'm the pastor of a thousand ministers. That's what this is all about. And you are called to being a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's how it works. You see, God put you on earth and gave you some 
uh, certain gifts, certain talents, and he did so on purpose. He purposely gave you certain spiritual gifts and certain talents. Then what he does is he expects you to use those gifts, those talents, those abilities to help to make the world a better place and to be the church of Jesus Christ. And then when you use those talents, those abilities to unselfishly minister or to or to help people without thought of, uh, of, uh, of remuneration, that's called ministry. When you volunteer your time and energy and effort to be in service to others, folks, listen to me. I want to say it again. That's ministry. It's what it is. A non-ministering Christian is a contradiction because that's what God calls us to be. Why? Because let's go over here again. Because who are you? You are a minister of God's grace. You got it? Because you're a minister of God's grace. That's who you are. And a non-ministering follower of Jesus Christ is a contradiction because this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus right there. Now, God doesn't ask you to do everything in the world. No. He doesn't ask you to solve every problem. No. But you know what he does? He says, look, you need to do something. You need to find your gifts, discover your gifts like you can on our website. You can take the shape uh, assessment, find out the way God wired you, find out the way God shaped you, and then put your shape into action. Your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experience, put every one of those things, the way God shaped you, the way God wired you, put it into action, and then be a minister of the grace of God. In fact, look what uh, Wilk Peter says here, 1 Peter 4.10. He says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. Yeah. Use whatever gift you have. You can't solve the world's problems, but you can start. You can do something to make the world a better place. If you want to be like Jesus, if you want to be the church, look at this, what, what, uh, what Jesus says here in Matthew. He says, your attitude must be like my own. Check that out. Let's look at that again. Matter of fact, I think we ought to read that part out loud together. Your attitude must be like my own. Those are the words of Jesus right there. He says, for I, the Messiah, didn't come to be served, but what? But to serve. Yeah, that's what it means. If you're going to be the church, you got to make a commitment to being a minister of God's grace. Now, so let's go over them again. First, I got to commit my life to Christ. Number two, got to commit to being a part of God's family. Number three, I've got to uh, commit to being a uh, uh, minister of God's grace. Uh, number, uh, and then here we are with number five is I've got to commit to being a messenger of God's love. There you go. We've got to being a mess, be, commit to being a messenger of God's love. Now, I got to tell you, look at this very carefully. This is ultimately what it takes to change the world. Being a messenger of the love of God. 
2 Corinthians, Paul once again, 2 Corinthians 5.19 says this, it is central to our good news that God was in Christ making things right between himself and the world. This means he charges us to proclaim the message that heals and restores. Look at that, that he, the message that heals and restores our broken relationships with God and each other. Did you know that you were an ambassador? Yeah. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. What's an ambassador? Someone who represents someone else, or maybe it's someone who represents the interests of another country or interests of another leader. Well, did you know that you are an ambassador for Jesus? That's what that scripture was all about right there. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. When you become a believer, you become an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You know what? You may be the only you may be the only Bible that is by the way you live, the uh, the way people see you that that someone ever reads. You may be the only genuine follower of Jesus Christ somebody actually sees in the world. You know, an ambassador shares the news from another country or another leader. What's the best news that you've ever heard? Well, I was thinking about that, and this is what I think. Best news I ever heard is that I can have my sins forgiven. Everything that I've ever done wrong in my entire life can be forgiven. And then what happens is that then Jesus offers me eternal life, gives me a purpose, offers me the Holy Spirit to live in and to live on, and then offers me heaven too. That's the best news that I've ever heard. And as an ambassador for Jesus Christ, I want to share that with you. It's what it means to be a follower. It's how we live out this gospel life. And so I ask you, are you an ambassador for Jesus? Are you living this gospel life out? You know, I, I'm 60 years old. I don't have time to play church. We got to be the church of Jesus Christ. If we're going to change the world, it's got to start with us. And it's got to start by our living out this gospel. Being a messenger of God's love to the world around us. So we got to start. We got to put our foot on the first brick on the yellow brick road. What's that? What is? We need to, we need to uh, commit our lives to Jesus. Then what do we need to do? Well, we need to make sure that we commit to being a part of uh, the family of Christ. That's what we got to do. And then we need to commit to modeling our life after Jesus Christ. Commit to being a minister of God's grace. And finally, we need to ensure that that we are a messenger of God's love. It's what it means to be the church. So folks, I hope that you'll join me. I'm making these commitments. I'm renewing these commitments today. I want you to do the same with me. 
We're going to go to the Lord in prayer and ask God right now to renew these commitments or to make them anew and start us off for being really the church of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we come together in prayer acknowledging that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are thankful, Lord, for all the ways that you have poured out your gifts and blessing upon us. But Lord, we know that it's time now to be the church of Jesus Christ, to do what we need to do in order to be the people you've called us to be. We desire, Lord, to make the world a better place, to live to live in such a way that we model what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be a messenger of your love, to, to be a minister of your grace, to be a part of the church family. Lord, right now, we ask your Holy Spirit to pour into each of us, to grow us spiritually deep, that we may be the most spiritually mature congregation in Northern Virginia as we seek to make the world a better place and to live into the purposes that you have for our lives. So right now, Lord, we ask God that we would make this commitment right now and say something like this, Lord, I commit to following you. I commit to being yours. I commit to being the church of Jesus Christ right now. And I make these five commitments. Lord, I know that I can't fulfill them on my own. But I know that I can fulfill them as best I can, empowered by your Holy Spirit. So Lord Jesus Christ, right now, make me yours. And I make these commitments to the best of my ability. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray.